Welcome back, everybody, to another live stream. Uh, we've got a really cool one today. We're going to talk with our friend Gus from Microshift. You know, it's 2020. Uh, drivetrains have gotten very complicated. We've got electronic shifting, hydraulic shifting, all very expensive. And I think Microshift is a really interesting brand at this time because it gives people, you know, similar functionality, but at much affordable and friendly price points and really stuck to talk with our friend Gus. But before we do get going, I want to thank our Patreon supporters that keep all this content coming. And if you guys enjoy these videos, consider the, uh, supporting the channel yourself on Patreon. Not only do you get to jump in on these calls and ask your own question, uh, but you also get lots of cool perks from a lot of the brands that we have interviewed on the show. Uh, so with all that said, let's welcome Gus to the live stream. Thanks for being on. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Cool. So uh, for me, at least, you know, Microshift has kind of bubbled up to the top in the last, let's say, three or four years, but it's actually been around for quite some time. Can you give us a little brand history of how long Microshift has been around? Yeah, for sure. So uh, it started in 1999 um, as sort of a you know, like a Taiwanese super team of drivetrain dudes. So, um, you know, people came from from different companies, Falcon, uh, you know, Suntour was big, and then that went under. Um, and, and, and kind of, you know, right around that time, Taiwan sort of needed a drivetrain brand. Um, you know, Shimano in Japan was really popular, obviously. And, and so Taiwan said, hey, why not, you know, why not us? Uh, well, you know, and, and that was kind of how Microshift got started. So they... Um, you know, they started out with really simple products. A uh, uh, grip shift was really the first product that they came out with. And, and it was something that SRAM had kind of uh, pioneered. And then Microshift said, hey, okay, you know, let's let's make it better. And so they made, um, you know, what's now considered to be the, the you know, kind of like the MRX style, uh, uh, you know, grip shifter, they, they made that. And, and had good success with it, but there are lawsuits and, you know, the, 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 the drivetrain world is a very difficult world to, uh, to exist sure. in. So they've kind of, you know, uh, uh, but we've slowly made our way to the point now where it's like, yeah, we're, you know, we have groups out there that uh, are different than everything else and kind of can stand on their own legs. Yeah. I think one of the, the first uh, drivetrains I, I got to try from you guys that really stood out in recent memory was um, the OEM drivetrain that came with the Marin Nicasio Plus. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. When, since when have, I mean, at, at what point did Microshift parts start shipping OEM with, with bikes? Well, that has actually always been their focus, really. So, okay. you know, it's a big bike market out there. Um, maybe they weren't a household name in, in the U.S., but certainly uh, in the Chinese market, in uh, South America, in, you know, in different places, it's, uh, uh, they, they've been, on OEM bikes for a long time. Um, okay. And they make a wide variety of products or, you know, we are, you know, make a wide variety of products. So uh, it's not just stuff that you would necessarily see on a bike. A lot of times it's like the front derailleur, which you don't really, you may have used a micro shift front derailleur in the past. It's not like the first item that you're looking at trying to figure out, you know, Hey, which bike am I going to buy? Oh, well, it has a micro shift front derailleur. I'm sold, you know? Um, right. So they even OEM is really their, was their main focus. And that's kind of why I got started with the brand was to build more of an aftermarket focus because you really need both. Um, you need, you know, if you're going to have uh, OEMs trust your product, uh, you need to have aftermarket support. You need to have people out there that are like, oh yeah, Microshift, that stuff's cool. 
Um, so the, the Advent stuff that was on then Nicasio Plus, that was the first project that I worked on. Okay. <laughs> so I'm glad to hear that you liked it. Uh, uh, yeah, I th- it jumped out to me because I think it, it was using parts that you couldn't buy as a consumer. I think it had a 11 to 46 uh, sun race in, yep. in nine, nine speed that I think was only OEM at, the, at that time. Yeah, for sure. They Sunrace, uh, it's a competitive world out there, right? So Sunrace said they saw that we had an 1142 nine speed cassette and they were like, oh, we'll make an 1146 and that's, you know, so that'll be better. So, um, you know, that's kind of how it goes. But uh, uh, some OEMs really like range. You know, they say, hey, range is the most important thing. And, and some say, no, it needs to have good, you know, even, uh, you know, even steps in the shifting. That's kind of why we did 1142. We said, um, you know, once you go up to 46, the jumps become bigger, but you know, the market kind of told us, well, maybe some people don't care, you know, uh, maybe for some people that extra low range is really important. So, um, yeah, that's definitely something we're looking at doing too. So do you, is, will that nine, will that, uh, 11 to 46 and nine speed trickle out aftermarket or is that just only going to oh, be yeah, on for the sure. No, it's, it's on the way. Uh, uh, yeah, that, that's going to happen. I don't know. Yeah. I guess you can claim the exclusive on that, but it, you know, it's not like a huge, uh, a huge secret or anything we're, we're definitely going to that in the nine speed um and then we right. have the 10 speed stuff too now you know um yeah so that's, that's been a big uh uh that's been cool for us too you know uh, uh that's kind of the next the next thing that's rolling along in this in this push towards sort of like you know stuff that's that has aftermarket potential stuff that, that people would buy and, and put on their own bike one of the things yeah. that you know like when i started the the everybody was saying uh, Microshift kind of said, hey, let's look at Shimano. You know, Shimano does really amazing stuff and they do, you know, they're really cool. Uh, let's let's look at Shimano and say, and just make something that's just like that, but a little bit less expensive. Um, and, you know, and we're kind of going away from that now and saying, well, Shimano, there are a lot of areas of the market that Shimano doesn't really want to play in. Uh, let's mm-hmm. play in those, you know, um, let, let's take some of that high-end technology that, you know, maybe they don't want to trickle down to the um, to the mid-level, uh, and let's trickle it down to the mid-level and see what happens. And, and so far, that's been really good for us. Yeah, I've noticed that as of late, it's felt as if both SRAM and Shimano, typically you'd see a trickle down, but now, you know, they're, it's just not happening. And if you're not interested in going fully electronic or, or having hydraulic brakes, then you're kind of left to, to fend for yourself. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, part of that is because they need, you know, I mean, Shimano is the biggest bike company in the world, right? Like they need to have lanes for all their products to be in, you know, uh, they need there to be a reason to upgrade to 105 or upgrade to um, Altegra. And that can be really hard for them to manage. And then, you know, the OEs of, of really big bike companies, you know, um, they like things to stay the same for the most part. Um, I think, you know, their job would be really easy if there was like one brand and you just did that. And then there was no, you know, there was no question. We're, we're kind of trying to make it tough on them a little bit, you know, by mm-hmm. saying, well, you know, yeah, you can do Shimano. And obviously we're not, you know, Microshift doesn't have the Shimano name necessarily, but uh, we're going to have features that, boy, you can really sell a bike on. And, you know, we'll kind of pit those two against each other, right? You know, one salesperson might say, well, hey, this has Shimano on it, so it's better. Um, but another one might be able to kind of explain like, Hey, nine, you know, wide range, nine speed. That's kind of neat. There are a lot of reasons to run that, you know, that don't even involve, uh, you know, that, you know, it's not like having fewer speeds isn't even necessarily worse, you know, um, um, in terms of like adjustment range and, and mud shedding and all that sort of stuff. So, 
Um, yeah, I was kind of uh, really excited about the the box nine stuff and also like the nine ten speed stuff you guys are are putting out. What do you think is causing this? I wouldn't say like regression into ten or nine speed, but get kind of the renewed interest in in making components for for those speeds. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think part of it is that Shimano won't do it. Um, you know, they really haven't. They they kind of stopped at ten speed, and boy, what, you know like it, having worked at a bike shop for a while, you know, you talk to all the mechanics and they're all like, oh yeah, nine speed, that stuff was the best. Um, they're really nostalgic for it because A, it was really easy to work. On. You know, you put it on, yeah. you didn't even have to turn the barrel adjuster. Like it just worked. Um, you know, the old XTR nine speed stuff was like, I mean, I still have some of it. It's bomb proof. Um, so that stuff was really cool. And back then everything was simple, you know, road, you know, road derailers and mountain derailers basically had the same pull. Um, and, and everything just kind of worked, uh, and now it doesn't, you know, if you've set up a 12 speed system, I mean, you have to have everything perfect. The derailleur hanger has to be perfect. There has to be no mud in the system. You can't hit it against a rock. You can't, you know, um, the adjustment range is very, very small on, you know, something like Eagle, which is, doesn't mean it's not cool. It's still a cool product. Uh, but it's just like, you know, if you want something that you can just kind of slap on and not really worry about Boy, nine speed's cool for that. Right, right, for sure. Yeah, it's it, it requires less of a perfectly antiseptic environment for, right. for good shifting. There's a lot of slop that you can have in there. Yep, yep, yeah. You can be a terrible mechanic like me and right. just get it get it working. You know, I think that's why I'm attracted to it because I'm I'm like a mediocre mechanic at best. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you should give yourself a little bit of credit. You know, right. you're hacking some some pretty crazy stuff together. Yeah. So I'm curious, this is a question that I've always had personally. I don't know if you have the answer to it, but do you know why uh, that, that shifting compatibility drifted between road and mountain? Was that, you know, purely as a dollars thing or was there some actual functional reason why they couldn't communicate? No, it's functional for sure. Um, It just has to do with cassette range. Um, Basically like if you think about it, you know, like, let's say you had a cassette that had all 16 tooth teeth, you know, it's like a 10 speed cassette, but everything's a 16 tooth cog. Shifting is incredibly easy. You're just, all you have to do is knock it to the left and it's shifting. Um, you knock it to the, you know, it, it, it requires, that would be like the smoothest possible cassette. Now, obviously it would not be fashionable by today's standards, but, uh, uh, you know, work really well. When you have like an 1127, 1128, it's not that different from that, right? It doesn't, the, the, if you think about the, where the, you know, there are two pulleys on a derailleur, right? The top pulley is the guide pulley and the bottom pulley is the tension pulley. The guide pulley is really how you're moving the chain. It's guiding the chain up that cassette. And so the guide pulley needs to pull, you know, if you're going up to a 42 tooth, 46 tooth, 50 tooth, you know, that guide pulley needs to move a ton vertically as well as horizontally. So it just needs to move a really long ways. Um, that, you know, that was another project that uh, kind of harebrained scheme. Like when I first started, I was asking the engineers at Microshift, like, hey, you know, why, why can't we make a, a clutch derailleur that works with like an 1142 cassette and normal road shifters, you know, like 10 speed road mm-hmm. shifters. Uh, and they said, you know, Hey, we, you know, they tried it and it was basically like you had to, you, the, the shifting effort was so hard that they were literally wearing out shifters at the bearing, you know, like, like just for pulling on it, pushing it so hard. So it just doesn't work. You need to pull more cable basically. Right. For sure. 
Cool. Well, let's talk about Advent X. I think I feel like that made a, a pretty big splash. A lot of people got excited uh, about it because of you know the the functional range, but also the price point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, so we look, you know, when we came out with Advent, that was kind of our like mission statement. Like, hey, this is nine speed stuff. You can, you know, you, it's it's kind of punk rock, right? Like you put it on. It's inexpensive. It's built like a brick Buick. It's you know, it's not going to stop you from doing any sort of riding, but it's like, it's durable, it's tough, you know? Uh, and when we looked at Advent X, we said, hey, you know, let's make our version of XTR, like like our version of, you know, let's, let's leave no stone unturned and make this as nice as we can, like change whatever we want. And so really the first thing to my mind didn't have to do with the cassette or speeds or anything, it was the shifter. Um, you know, the in original Advent had a, or has a index thumb style kind of, you know, what Shimano used to call rapid fire, um, that style of shifter. And that's great for most riding, but uh, for mountain biking, it's just okay. Um, you know, you can't really reach the, um, you know, it's harder to, to get the right brake position and blah, blah, blah. It's not, it's not as, it's not as modern. So we went to a thumb, thumb, you know, kind of a SRAM style uh, trigger, spent a ton of time making that thing work. And you know, it's funny because every time you try to do something new, you realize, oh, there are like 20 patents that are stopping you from doing what you want to do. You know, so SRAM has like a patent on, you know, which direction you're pushing the shifter and it can be here. It can't be here. It can move this much. And so every project that we start involves like six months of just reading patents. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, uh, but yeah, Advent X, we, you know, it has the new shifter. Uh, and then, and then weight was the other big thing. We're like, Hey, we want to make this really light, like crazy light. Cause you know, when you look at like a group like NX is an amazing group, it's, it's really cool. Uh, it's on a ton of bikes, um, but it's heavy. You know, the, the cassette is a bone anchor. Um, you know, it's like six, 700 grams, something like that. And so we said, Hey, we want to have a really light cassette. So um, that's kind of what brought us to 10 speed. We said, you know, you have fewer cogs, you, you know, we've already kind of proven to ourselves that people don't necessarily need more speeds to, to buy something. Um, you have fewer cogs, it's going to be lighter weight. Um, we kind of stuck with an 1148 range because yeah, we could have tried to do like 53 or 54 and a half or whatever, but, uh, uh, 48, we kind of felt like, well, that's low enough for a lot of people, maybe not everybody, but like 80%, 90% of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ended up being really light. It's, you know, it's like 425 grams or something, um, which is mm-hmm. crazy. So the whole group uh, is, you know, is lighter than uh, Shimano XT. It's about the same weight as uh, as GX. And we really think that's neat. Um, just from like a, you can put this on a XC race bike and be like, yeah, you know, it fits. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, when when you guys developed that, did you have road trip compatibility in mind already, or was that kind of you know we want to do a mountain bike group set and then maybe think we, about we've road kind trip. of you know the the road stuff that you reviewed, um, you know it's MicroShift has a ton of different shifters, right? They make you know we make bar end shifters, drop bar shifters, um, you know thumb shifters, all kinds of stuff, and so we always knew you know hey we can make a road shifter for this. Um, what we kind of, honestly, what we kind of look at is, Hey, is there, um, is there going to be OEM support for this and aftermarket support? You know, if we come out with a great aftermarket group and sell, you know, 3000 groups, um, that's great, but it's not enough to turn the machines on, you know? 
Um, right. And so, and so we really need to make sure that we have OEM support for this stuff as well. And so for that group, yeah, you know, we kind of, we kind of float it out there and say, well, is this something that you think would fit? And, you know, luckily, yeah, we've had a lot of people say, Hey, that's cool. We want to make a bike kind of, you know, that uses stuff like that. Um, I think the only trouble that, that we've seen is that people are like, Hey, this is too nice. You know, it's <laughs> like our, you know, if we have a bike that has like, you know, uh, a rival with an 11, with a 1042 cassette, it's like, this has more range than that. You know, it's like, that's mm -hmm. kind of hard to figure out the line logic, but uh, yeah. we feel like that's a good problem to have. You know, we want to make it as nice as possible. Yeah. Were you, uh, were you surprised by the response to Advent X? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, we knew that it would be you know, we thought once we kind of saw the product, we we're like, yeah, this stuff rocks and it's going to be popular. Um, but then we have a whole supply chain that the stuff has to get through. So, you know, that's, that's the one thing I'll say right now. It's like, it's as soon as it gets into stock in the U S it just vaporizes. Uh, and we have more coming and, and kind of with the, um, you know, with the pandemic, it's been really difficult to get product through, um, you know, through the, through the system. So, Right. Uh, we're doing as best we can with that, but yeah, it's definitely more, we, we could sell a lot more of it if we could get it into the United States. Um, right. you know, uh, uh, so yeah, it has been, it seems like it really hit and hit kind of this like good spot between being like good, you know, light enough and kind of durable enough and, and have enough range, but, but not be, you know, again, the price is pretty dang good. I mean, it's, it's pretty, oh yeah. Good. It's amazing. Like I, you know, I put on my Bambora, it's, which is it's become the, the Franken bike. Like everything I test goes on that bike eventually. Nice. And usually I take things off and put other things on, but I've left it on there. I mean, I actually really like it. <laughs> you know? Cool. Well, that's good to hear. I mean, I, I have some on my bike too. So yeah, <laughs> you know, we should ride sometime when this is all yeah. over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, it does hit that, that nice nexus of, you know, it's got the range I like, you know, before I put, uh, you know, the, the 48 tooth on there, I, I tested it with the, the prime 950 just out of curiosity and, and did the 50 fine. And, you know, the, the shifting, you know, had a nice kind of me mechanical charm to it, which I, I actually liked. I was like, oh, it, it feels a little punk rock. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah, no, we, I mean, that's something that actually, yeah, I really like about that particular shifter form factor. Like, man, you press that button and it's like, chat. You know, right. you, no, there's no question that you shifted, you know, you definitely right. shifted. Uh, yeah, if you I, like I, mechanical things that, that shift, that, that shifter reminds you, it's very mechanical. <laughs> yep. Yep. No doubt about it. Um, yeah. I'm, so I'm curious, uh, uh, can you remind me what size chain ring are you running with that? Uh, I'm running a 38 tooth oval from absolute black. Okay. Okay. And how's that treating you? Like, like the, I'm always curious about like, okay, the gear steps, you know, like, are you finding your, I don't know. Yeah. What do you, what do you think of the cassette? I think it's great. You know, it's not, um, you know, it's not as granular as 11 or 12 granted, but I'm not super, I'm not super sensitive to cadence. I did try the, the box nine stuff. Uh, they're 11 to 50 and it's, it's amazing just that having one less gear, that really bothered me, but having yeah. 10 was, was, was just enough to, okay. to have that range as well. So yeah, I, I dig it. I think it's, it's totally, you know, if someone wants to to do kind of a, a punk rock drivetrain on their gravel bike or, or mixed train bike, it's, it's such a good option. Well, I, you know, uh, I don't know how nerdy you want to get here, but like we, we really go over 
um you know like the cassette chart you know the the cassette like you know what are all the jumps on the cassette where are they right. what's the best place for them there are, and you know there are arguments right like sram has a different philosophy than shimano about you know where you should have you know should you have the same jump all the way up the cassette or you know do you have it be more like big you know big jumps on the small gears and blah 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 um i i know that one of the things that i think our cassette does really well is has really even jumps um mm -hmm. it, it's about 15 percent give or take you know obviously the math doesn't work out perfectly but it's you know about 15 percent give or take and all the way up and that's something that yeah stuff like if you look at the box cassette well no it's the jumps are definitely um, the range is great, but the jumps are definitely not all predictable. On the mountain bike, I think that's usually fine because you're more just like trying to, you know, hammer <laughs> over stuff. But uh, uh, on a road bike, I think it it is a little nicer to have something that's more predictable. Yeah, I think when like on on typical road grades where you do have a chance to to settle in, find your cadence that you know it's a little bit more noticeable. I think in mountain bike training where it's constantly undulating and you know, you're just trying to stay on top of the gear, you know, then the big, bigger jumps are, are okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I'm, I'm based in uh, the Midwest, you know, in Minneapolis. So for me, I could probably run an 1132 and it'd be, it'd be fine. You know, like, <laughs> a, I don't know if I really need quite all the, um, you know, quite all that range, but then when I take a trip out, you know, West, uh, you definitely realize quickly like, Oh yeah, that, that 48 tooth is pretty nice. So are there any bikes coming out that are going to have that OEM with the drop bar shifter? Yes. Yep. <laughs> That's about <laughs> all I can tell you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, we don't want to, we have relationships with a lot of great uh, brands and, you know, like Marin right. did this great bike. I mean, the Nicasio plus is such a cool bike. Like, mm -hmm it's kind of insane how much bike that is for the money. Um, and I'm not, that's not just the shifters. It's like the whole, um, the whole package is just really neat. I, uh, the way I look at it is like, you know, I'm, you know, I go on a group ride, right. With all, you know, friends that are on all, all kinds of different bikes. And, you know, we kind of call it the, uh, or I call it the, the rich dad's ride. Cause man, everybody has like a $7,000 bike. They're all like, you know, I mean, Minneapolis has all these fortune 500 companies. They all work for like Cargill and have you know have spent a lot of money on bikes and you know you could hop on that nicasio plus and totally rock it at that ride like right. there'd be no there'd be nothing you, you'd be no different than anybody else so um i think that's really cool like that's sort of my you know personally like where i like to see microshift go is kind of doing these things that are sort of democratize all this cool technology that um mm -hmm that's come out in the bike world. Like, yeah, one by it's awesome. You know, uh, there's no reason not to run a one by unless you really need all those little, you know, super fine, uh, uh, you know, cadence chunks. And so, yeah, why not make that available on a, on a $900 bike or a thousand dollar bike? Yeah. I'm a big fan of the Nicasio plus. I actually got my, my most supple budget bike of the year award last year. Nice. <laughs> you got good taste, man. Cause that thing. Rocks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so as you know, one of the questions that comes up a lot is, you know, the external cable routing on the shifter is, yep. is part of that. You know, we, we talked about all the patents is, is the patent wall part of the issue in, in getting internal routing? Uh, yes. I mean, certainly, uh, it's a thicket of patents. Um, <laughs> we, that shifter design that, you know, it's kind of our, I don't know, in, in like micro shift part number, uh nomenclature or whatever it's like our 400 level shifter 
Um, and so we make a lot of different compatibilities for that shifter, you know, nine speed, 10 speed, 11 speed, uh, and then yeah, the, the Advent X um, and, and Advent compatible. Um, it's a really old design. So that's been around since Shimano had external cable routing, you know, like the, if you remember the old Shimano, like the Dura 7800 stuff uh, was killer. That stuff was awesome. And it had external cable routing. Really, right. It has some advantages. It's really easy to recable. <laughs> uh, like you just recable it in two seconds, you know, uh, uh, yeah. replace all the housing, it's no problem. Uh, and because the cable doesn't have to bend inside the shifter, the, the shifting is actually a little smoother too. Um, so to answer your question though, uh, we have come out with shifters since then. So uh, we have like a, a, you know, our CentOS shifter is internal cable routing. The trouble is when you have internal cable routing, um, yeah, there are all these patents. And so we did a, like a campy style uh, thumb trigger. Um, and, but then with that campy style Trump thumb trigger, we couldn't figure out a way to make that compatible with uh, the extra, you know, cable pull, right? I mean, you know, if when you're, when you're trying to fit the brake and the shifting, all the shifting bits, and then a giant spool to pull mountain cable, it's kind of tough to do. So right. uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to rule us out yet. You know, like, we'll you know, we'll keep working on it. Uh, right. For now, this is, um, you know, really the, the best option we have. And I think it's a dang good option, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I know, I know it puts some people off. Um, and I was kind of eh, aesthetically, but again, I've gone over it. Um, you know, my biggest concern is, does it interfere with all the handlebar bags I use? Right. And I tried it with no modifications and it worked fine. And then to, to satisfy the YouTube comments, I did the, the break noodle trick and it worked fine. Yeah, so, I like that one for sure. I mean, if you can if you can get over the aesthetics of it, you know, the functionality is there, the price is awesome and 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 the range is is awesome. So Yep. Yep. But it's funny, is like when I post that video, people were giving me there's so many comments about the external ratting, and then I made this meme of uh <laughs> of the the shifter of your shifter on one side and it's like oh no and then on the other panel was a mountain bike cockpit with external cables <laughs> right. all over the place <laughs> and somehow that's okay <laughs> but you know you have one cable coming out of a road shifter and people people lose it <laughs> yeah i mean you know the big three or whatever have people well trained you know it's like yeah they, they all went internal and it makes sense man i mean road bikes are more aesthetic you know there there's mm -hmm. there's more like you know ergonomics are super important to the shifter the way that it looks the way that it feels it's it's kind of more old school in that way um yeah. and so we're just kind of saying you know again it's a little bit of a punk rock solution for now but we're kind of saying hey this works really well you know like okay. if, you, if you shift this with your eyes closed it's going to feel great you know you're it's going to give you all the features you want yeah it has external cable routing um Heck, clip that to the bag. Use that as a right. you know, use that as a clip to 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 get the bag on there. You know, yeah. um, I, I you know I, I I don't think it's as as big a deal as uh, people say it is. Yeah, for sure. I'm yeah, I'm with you on that. You know, after after using it and for the last couple of weeks since I've had it, I've I've gone over the external cable housing. Um, do you guys think you'll? I know this question comes up a bit. Will you guys ever venture into uh, hydraulic braking, or is that, that's not your, there's no, I mean, I don't want to give the same answer to every question, but right. <laughs> good Lord, the patents, the patents are crazy. Uh, uh, the hydraulic ones specifically, like, I don't want to rule it out. We, you know, my, my goal for microshift is to be a fully 
you know, like a, like a full service brand. I mean, to have, to really, to really have a full line of products, um, you know, we're to get there, we would need hydraulic. If we did hydraulic, we would do a, a version of micro of, of hydraulic. That's true to our micro shift kind of style, which is, yeah, we would want it to, to look good, function really well. Um, but be at a, you know, be at a more, attain, be in a more attainable place. Um, I think that would be really hard. So sure. <laughs> I don't want to say we'll never do it. Um, but if we do do it, all those things would have to fall into place and we'd have to figure out a way around all the patents. Right. Right. Maybe we just need better lawyers. I don't know. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> new, new legal team. <laughs> yeah. No, that's one way to solve it. <laughs> right. um, let's see. Well, I think I'm going to open up to Zoom questions. If you're in the, the Zoom room and have a question for, for Gus and Microchef, raise your blue hand. And uh, you guys in the, the YouTube chat, hope you guys are enjoying this. If you're digging this video, don't, don't forget to give it a thumbs up. It helps give the video view velocity, all that good stuff, and ask some questions. And I will relay it to Gus. So any questions in Zoom? Not yet. OK. Um, I love that you guys still support uh, bar and shifters. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, we love bar and shifters. I personally love bar and shifters. Uh, I think they are like the most tactile feeling shifter, you know, like you, it's just a lever, you know, there's no, right. there's no artifice, you know, it's just, <laughs> you pull that thing and then you go to a different gear. Uh, and there's something that's really cool about that. It's simple. Um, you can put them back together, like on a tour in the middle of nowhere, you can, uh, you can carry spares with you really easily. You know, um, it, it's kind of a great solution. Yeah, for me, you know, the big attraction, is, you know, is is that it just if you put in friction, it will work. It, it will mostly work with almost every drivetrain you can slap it on. Yep. So it's good for for me and the YouTube channel when I have to test a bunch of things. You know, I don't have the we don't have that GCM money to buy all the individual shifter and bits to make everything work <laughs> perfectly. Yeah, but I slap on a, a bar and shifter and bam. <laughs> um, Cool. Well, in the YouTube chat, let us know where you're watching from. And if you have questions, I'll pass it on to, to Gus here. Um, so Brad Thomas asks, electronic shifting, is that? Yeah, man. Uh, electronic shifting answer? is a whole big thing. We had a, so like, I want to say four or five years ago, there was like a big buzz because we had, you know, uh, some of our like engineers or somebody let, uh, um, you know, kind of let it slip that like, hey, yeah, we're working on electronics. Um, and we have been working on electronic that whole time. Again, it comes down to, uh, can we release something that makes sense for where we want to be, you know, for who we are, right? Um, if we come out with, uh, something that has, you know, pretty, that works pretty well, uh, and has, is maybe a little cheaper than Shimano, uh, and has okay battery life. It's like, nobody's going to buy it. Um, you know, it, mm -hmm. it needs to have a reason to exist. And so that's the part where, yeah, we, we have developed a lot of technology surrounding it, but we haven't gotten to the point where we've created something that we feel like, Hey, this is a compelling product. Um, it's, it's just, we're not, we're not ready yet. And at this point, it's like, I don't, I don't know. I, I wouldn't hold my breath. Um, right. there are a lot of electronics getting integrated with bikes now. And so there's probably, you know, there's probably opportunity there somewhere, um, but uh, 
it's not a it's not on the front of our mind right now right right well i i appreciate that you're you guys are servicing the 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 cable actuated market very well <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh okay i got a question here from andy Andy, you've got the floor hey Gus, how are you good how you doing good so you're talking about uh, the kind of that OEM business that really drives uh, a lot of what you do. What, where do you concentrate your efforts? You know, there's so many different ways that components can go, so many different types of bikes. What, is there a specific focus, you know, with get gravel being so popular right now, um, you know, your components look like they're great for mountain bikes. You guys have your, your parts and you're kind of R&D focused in a certain direction. Uh, you know, because uh, shifting, shifting is a little bit different, right? Because it's not quite as, um, bike specific. Like, I mean, I think actually the Advent X group is a great example where, uh, yeah, it's a mountain bike group. Can you spec it on a gravel bike? Sure. What's the difference between a gravel bike and a mountain bike? Like those lines are really getting blurred, you know? Um, and so the way I think of it is we have wide range product and we have kind of narrow range product you know, like stuff that's, you know, would, would have been considered road at some point. Maybe it works with like 1132. Um, we're really focused on, first of all, creating products that appeal to both. You know, we can't live without one. We can't just say, hey, we have a great OEM product. It, it doesn't work in the aftermarket at all. So, you know, or vice versa. So we want to make sure it works in both places. Um, so we're really looking at that wider range market right now and saying, hey, yeah, that's, that's the place where we can continue to make product that other companies aren't making, you know? Um, and, and that's really our goal. We don't want to, we don't want to have something that's, you can say, Oh, well, sure. They have an okay version. SRAM has a better version. Shimano has a better version uh, or, or whatever. Um, we want to say, Hey, this is the only version available that does this stuff. You know um, it's tough again, because of the world of patents and blah, 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 all that stuff. But um but it's also kind of easy because not every company can do everything. We don't need to be, you know, when Shimano comes out with a new group, they're coming out with something that they need to sell in every market in the world. Uh, and they need to sell a lot of it in order to make it make sense for them. Um, for us, we could kind of look at it and go, hey, what are some areas of cycling, um, you know, like bar and shifters, right? I mean, there's no incentive for Shimano to make a 12-speed mountain bike compatible bar and shifter. Um, they just don't care. It doesn't, you know, it's not going to happen. Um, for us, uh, we look at it and go, Hey, I bet somebody wants that. It's not going to cost us too much to, you know, we can kind of develop it because we have all the parts, you know, we just need to make new internals for the shifter. We can kind of come out with that and service a small market that really appreciates it. Yeah. A lot of those people watch our YouTube channel, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that. Uh, we got a question here from uh, Brian. Hi, guys. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. Uh, my question is, uh, how does how does MicroShift compare to box components? Are they your biggest competitor or... Um, how do, are, are you trying to go for a higher quality than them or a lower price? I mean, how? Yeah. Uh, Box is a really different company than us. Uh, okay. Yeah. We're in the same, you know, we have nine speed stuff. They have nine speed stuff. Um, we were first. So I will say that. Uh, no, but, 
but uh, uh, really the, the biggest difference is how the company is like organized, right? Um, you know, Box does a lot of BMX stuff. Um, they have a drivetrain. They've done a lot of marketing around their drivetrain. Um, they have a lot of different manufacturing partners for their drivetrain. Uh, and, you know, Microshift is coming at it from like almost the opposite perspective where, you know, Microshift is really a manufacturer. Um, they, you know, we have a big factory in, in Taiwan and, and most of the payroll goes towards, you know, manufacturing and engineering. Um, I'm the, you know, me, me and another guy in the U.S. are really like the eyes and ears for, uh, for a lot of the bike market, um, um, at least in the U.S. So we don't have nearly the same advertising budget. Uh, we don't have nearly the same uh, uh, kind of reach that way. But uh, we, you know, drivetrain stuff is really hard to make. Uh, derailers are insanely complicated. Uh, and it's not just the design. It's like manufacturing all those little parts to fit together and, and fit together every time. And the cheaper it is, the harder it is to make. Um, you know, X, XTR, it's like, it's weird to think about that, but really expensive stuff is actually a lot easier to make uh, than cheap stuff that works well. Um, that's, that's a much tougher thing. And that's why Shimano doesn't have very much competition. So that's, we, we really see Shimano is more of a competitor than Box, and not to say that Box doesn't make cool stuff because they do, um, but we want to make stuff that works at a at a Shimano level, you know, to that kind of that kind of quality level um, that offers new features that you know Shimano isn't 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 doing. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right, we've got a question here from uh, Jonathan. You've got the floor. Hey, hey everybody. Hey Russ. Hey Gus. Oh, Russ and Gus. Um, sorry, somebody already probably made that joke. Uh, sorry, I got on late. Uh, my my thought initially is uh, to ask about um, complete group sets. I remember Microshift years ago uh, made like this group set that was to me uh, was not attractive. It was very roadie inspired, white, red, and black. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was it was uh, it was breaks. It was. Like it was the whole, it was an entire, what we think of as a group set, including cassette. Yeah. Um, is Microshift still doing complete group sets? I know the Advent set is, they have levers and a, a derailleur, but it doesn't seem like, like here's an entire package that is designed to like buy this package. It costs you 400 bucks, stick it on a frame and bam, there you go. Yeah. Uh, I hear you. Um, we, we don't, do so we just make shifters derailers and cassettes for now and and i don't actually know the answer to that in terms of going back and looking at uh some of those older groups like who how exactly those were made or who made them you know because sometimes people will say oh you know hey we need a chain you know go to kmc i mean you know people plenty of people do that uh plenty of brands do that um and and kind of rebrand other stuff um so we want to make sure again we want to make sure that we're not if we put our name on somebody else's product, we have to charge more for it because we're buying it from them. And then, and then, you know, and then we're selling it uh, to somebody who's selling it to somebody who's selling it to you, <laughs> you know? Uh, uh, and so we don't want to do that. You know, we don't, there's no reason for us to just get in there uh, and put our name on something um, unless we're really making it and unless we can innovate on it. So for now we're focusing on shifters and derailers and cassettes. 
Um, in the future, sure. I mean, I wouldn't rule that out. Could we come out with cranks? Could we come out with brakes? Could we come out with the chain? Maybe. Um, those markets all have really good players in them, though. Um, they're awesome. I mean, you know, like KMC makes amazing chains. Uh, they're great. They work really well. So I look at that and go, man, if we want to compete with them, geez, you better be coming with your A game. <laughs> you know what I mean? So for now, uh, shifters, derailers, and cassettes, and then who knows in the future. Uh, I know, speaking of the colors too, uh, there are definitely a couple guys in Taiwan that, man, they want to do colors. Uh, and I keep kind of trying to talk them off the ledge going, you know, I don't think it's going to be as popular as you think it is. Yeah. Um, but so this is maybe, maybe you're, this is one, you're one person where maybe you want the colors to come back. Yeah. Um, um, cool. Yeah. I know that uh, when, when box released their, their prime nine, they didn't bother with the crank set. They're like, you know, there's, there's enough crank or um, yeah. Cranks out there. You just, those will work fine with the drivetrain. Yeah. Um, going to hop into the, uh, do you have, did you have another question, Brian, or was your hand just up? Okay. Sorry, or your hand. Uh, so hopping in the YouTube chat here, we've got people from Brooklyn, Arcata, California, Hood River, Michigan. Uh, Adam Clement asks, is there gonna be a, a bar and shifter that works with that new Advan X uh, group set? That, yeah, so that's a question we've gotten a ton. Um, and it's a yeah, really normal question because every, you know, <laughs> we make bar and shifters for everything else. Uh, why, why don't we have one for this? Um, basically we, want to and, and it's in the plans it just hasn't come together yet so um i apologize for that uh, uh we definitely want to do it um part of that i will i will blame uh the global pandemic for that just a little bit um the timing of that usually the way that it works is that's sort of the last thing we do with the group and this kind of released right as everything was hitting and we never got to the point where we developed that so do look for it in the next six months hopefully um we just haven't come to market with it yet. Yeah. Cool. All right. So cruising down, we've got uh, Don from Longview, Texas, Patreon supporter, uh, someone from San Francisco, Jeffrey from Houston, Texas, um, Timothy from Blaine, Washington, Carlsbad, California, David from South Australia. We've got a, a global global uh, viewership here. Uh, Fabrizio from Lima, Peru. I don't even know what time it is in Lima. <laughs> uh, Berlin, New Jersey. Nice. Uh, someone from uh, from Korea, and yeah. So speaking of stacks, I really like the the, the kind of blacked out uh, look of of Advent X. Was that just playing it safe? Everything goes goes well with black. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a little bit of that. We want to make sure that I think for you know when people put our stuff on their bike, you know, whether it's an OE guy or if just somebody building a bike, um, generally the you don't want all the attention to go to the derailleur. You know, you want the attention to be on the, you know, the frame and the way that, it, you know, the whole aesthetic of it. And so um, that is something that we think about, like, yeah, we don't want it to attract too much attention. Um, but we also want it to look cool. I think it looks cool. Uh, actually, yeah. one of the, um, you know, we kind of put together when we're developing this stuff, we put together like mood boards uh, <laughs> of different things to give to the, the engineers or the, you know, the, the, you know, the guys that are designing it. And they hate us for that. Uh, you know, they really, they really go like, what is this crap? Like, we're, I'm just, right. 
I'm just trying to do my job, like, you know, get out of here with that. But, uh, we, you know, one of the one of the ideas we had was kind of like these blacked out uh, cars and trucks, like trucks specifically that, that people do where they like rattle can it all super matte black. Uh, right. That was kind of the aesthetic that we were that we were going for. And I, th- I think we hit it pretty well. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm very happy with the way that the, the group looks. I'm curious, like what what other pictures were on the mood board? <laughs> now that you brought it up, <laughs> no, uh, I'm I'm gonna really embarrass myself here because I'm such a I'm such a nerdy person, and you know, so it was like stuff like, uh, you know, like props from Stargate, okay, uh, you know, like that kind of like a lot of times, you know, it's hard to figure out. Like you kind of want a tactical look. We were looking for this tactical look that's not quite like a gun. You know, we don't want it to look like a gun per se, uh, right? But, uh, but that kind of like, like serious tech that right. maybe, you know, maybe aliens have, uh, maybe, maybe they don't. Uh, so tactical. <laughs> <laughs> and if you ever see that hashtag, <laughs> uh, we've got another question here from, uh, Andy. I'm going to ask you to unmute. Can you unmute your, Okay. So what are some of the biggest challenges now that, you know, it's the, the components rolled into the U.S.? Uh, it seems to be people are into it. What are some of the big challenges that you kind of face now, now that you've, you know, it's out there and people understand what you're doing? Yeah. What's your, what, are, what are the next steps? Uh, we need to continue to grow. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's uh, growth is a great thing for a business, but it's also hard, you know, and so right now Microshift is growing and that means that there are a lot of different new responsibilities where, whereas I think kind of before, like 10 years ago, uh, it was a pretty flat management structure. There were like a few people and they kind of were involved with everything, like including shipping out orders and, um, um, you know, everything, engineering, manufacturing, the whole ball of wax. Uh, Now we're too big for that. Um, and, and we were five years ago too, but now with kind of some of the success that we've had with our latest kind of product uh, uh, releases, it's like, we're really too big for that. And so if we want to, you know, our goal is to keep coming out with new stuff that is cool and, and appealing to, to you guys and to other people uh, in the bike world. And so we need to make sure that like every, like leadership can't be involved in every single little thing, you know, it's gotta, it's gotta grow out and expand into different teams. And, and that's always tough, you know? Um, I think that's tough for every company and you see, you know, I think what we're trying to avoid is getting to the point like Shimano where, Oh boy, there's, you know, there are focus groups and and it's this huge behemoth and we don't, I don't think we ever want to be quite like that. We want to be a little more agile if we can. Um, but if we get those paychecks, man, I don't, you know, that, that doesn't sound too bad either. <laughs> do you ever run into challenges between the, the, you know, Chinese design teams versus kind of the, uh, the wants and the needs of, uh, American, uh, riders? No, absolutely. And, and I don't, I mean, that's one of the problems is that I don't speak for every American rider, right. You know, it's like, I know a fair amount about bikes, but I need to check my assumptions too. Uh, so that's kind of the first step of the process is really doing research, you know, just trying to figure out, Hey, what, what are people doing? What do people want? And then, yeah, when you try to communicate that to the team in Taiwan, uh, you know, there are some differences. Like we have, we do have a, you know, a couple engineers that are, that are ripping it on mountain bikes now. 
Um, but generally, for the most part, road riding is really the is really what people do. And by road riding, they're not they're not you know there are no thirty two C tires. Uh, everybody's running like nineteens, twenty threes. Because you know the roads are great. It's a tropical island. You know you don't like the infrastructure is amazing. You don't need a you don't need a supple tire. Uh, you, know, uh, uh, you can you can haul ass wherever you want on a really narrow tire. So. Um, so they really know that world. And so when they see, you know, when I'm like, I mean, when, for Advent, when I was like, hey, we, yeah, let's do a one by nine wide range group, like, you know, and, and kind of did the whole mission statement for that. They were going, what are you talking about? Nobody wants that. <laughs> you know, that's crazy. Uh, uh, you know, and then we got, we got a couple of guys to go to uh, uh, Sea Otter. And that was really mind blowing because you, you just look out across the sea of, you know, every, everybody and everybody and their grandma is riding by on a $5,000 mountain bike. And there are like thousands of them, um, <laughs> you know, and, and they had just never seen anything like that. They're like, wow, this is there. Maybe there is a market for this mountain bike stuff. Um, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> maybe they'll catch on after all. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, I think that you're, you're absolutely right though to ask, is that a challenge? Like, sure. It's a, it, you know, anytime you're trying to explain to somebody about a type of riding that they haven't done, uh, it's going to be weird. I mean, we were talking to guys in uh, uh, the Netherlands that are like, yeah, all this range, we don't need that. We want one by 1132. Uh, you know, and it's like, where else is that a thing? But, you know, in the Netherlands, it's like, there's no, there's like a hundred feet of elevation change. So that works right. for them. You know, it's like, you just have to, there are all these different types of riding and, and you kind of got to figure out what works for each, each market. How'd that discussion go with gravel? Did they under, get gravel or was that? I still don't know if we were there yet, uh, to, be, to be honest with you. I mean, it's, it's tough because we can't, you know, with the current situation, like, yeah, we can't do events. We can't go out and, you know, uh, uh, check out gravel races or whatever. Um, it's the kind of thing where I think everybody knows and understands that it's a new, that it's a really popular thing. Um, but it's kind of hard to explain exactly what the appeal of it is. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, the best I have, you know, the best kind of explanation I have is that like what people are riding as gravel bikes now are basically what bikes were when they were invented, you know, like, like back in, back in the 1890s or whatever, when there was this huge bike boom, you know, like hundreds of people would hop on bikes and go out to like the country, you know, they go, Hey, you know, 300 people are riding out to the country for like a picnic. Um, they all had tires that were like about 38 C 40 C somewhere in there. Um, they had, they were on one speeds, you know, obviously, uh, nobody was trying to, I mean, I'm sure there was a group on the front that was kind of trying to race a little bit. And there was a group at the back that was just hanging out. Uh, and there were people that were not that concerned about bikes. There were people that were really into bikes. Like it was this really diverse mix of people all kind of riding for fun. And I think that's what gravel is. It's like, yeah, you get out. What, why do you want to ride? You know? It could be a million different reasons. A gravel bike is going to probably do that pretty well for you, um, you know. And it's it's like way more inclusive than the the lycra roadie scene is, and yeah. and I think that's cool. You know, it's a bummer to 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 have this group of people where you're like, oh no, you can't ride with us. This is a this is a drop ride. You know, <laughs> you can't. You're you're not wearing the right stuff. You don't you don't have the right bike. You know? Gravel isn't like that as much. There probably is still some of that, but um, yeah. it just feels I thought that. I thought the the question that Andy asked about you know um, 
you know, to, to, to some extent, the, the writing that designers do, you know, affects what they're going to de design. And if they're not exposed to a type of writing or don't see, you know, the potential use for that, then it's dif difficult to, to design uh, the product. And I think that even happens in the U.S. Like with the initial gravel bikes, you know, a lot of them were, you know, had, you know, pretty modest tire clearances. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, maybe they were designing around 40, like when the, the Salsa Warbird came out, you know, the first officially called gravel bike. Um, but that's because they were thinking of the roads in the Midwest. When, when it started to trickle out to, to the Pacific Northwest and we're riding logging roads and it's really chunky, it's, you know, 40 will do it, but, you know, we needed more tire. And slowly, yeah. as more people started designing around, you know, this, this kind of umbrella of a gravel bike, it's, it's taken kind of regional influences and, and uh, has, has evolved the design. Yeah, for sure. I will say, you know, I, I lived in Portland for a couple of years uh, and, you know, my, my folks are from Iowa uh like the roads in iowa like the b level gravel roads in iowa i don't know how they call those roads like i don't you know riding those on a mountain bike feels sketchy so i you know i think part just part of it honestly is there's this the bike industry is really you know people say oh well hey standards are always changing and weather always changing everything on us um but really it's pretty conservative uh there aren't too many companies that really go out on a limb and do something like, you know, like Cannondale does with the left. It's like, well, people disagree with that. People don't think it's great. Uh, some people do, some people love it, some people hate it. Uh, there just aren't that many companies that are doing that. Companies kind of look at everybody else and go, hey, what are we doing? Hey, what's popular? Uh, let's make sure we have a winner. And so that, I, I think that's why you see a lot of these gradual changes, you know, like, oh, right. let's slacken the head tube angle out by one degree this year. And then if people like that, let's do one degree next year, you know. Uh, that kind of we'll go crazy, half a degree. <laughs> um, let me see who else is in here. We've got Iowa, Steve Fuller. He runs a, a couple of events based out in Iowa. Uh, loves his B-roads out there. Um, <laughs> let's see who else is in the chat. Let us know. Uh, Patagonia Chile is in the house. Nice. Nice. Uh, thanks for tuning in, uh, Pavel. Wonder what time it is over there. We got St. Louis, Missouri, Tallahassee, Florida, cycle bum melting in in uh, Sacramento. Nice. Um, any other questions in the Zoom room? We're hitting our getting close to our hour mark. So if you got any any last minute things, um, I guess what else? I mean, I know you guys are probably working on a, a ton of projects that you can't talk about, but what what? What do we have to look forward to from, from Microshift? More, more stuff, you know, uh, we just really want to keep pushing um, and, and coming out with product that, uh, uh, you know, that's different. So um, yeah, look, look for more, look for us to push things and not just in terms of price point, you know, yeah, we're kind of um, right, right now we're doing more value oriented product. If there's an opportunity for us in the high end, we're going to take it, you know, we want to, um, we, we don't want to limit ourselves. So um basically i think all the things that you're thinking of uh we probably have on our timeline at some point you know we probably have on our board whether or not we get to it it's like we got to put out all these fires we got to you know we got to make sure that everything is growing in a stable way um and we don't we that's the other thing i'll say we never want to come out with a product that we can't support so you know we have a four-year warranty on our stuff and and that's really important to us we want to make sure that it stuff just works and that we're not you know, yeah, I don't know that we're not leaving anybody high and dry. So, yeah. So are you the uh, only U.S. based employee right now? 
Uh, it's me and another guy. So, uh, yeah. uh, uh, yeah, we do all the, all the stuff and he's, um, you know, he, he spent, he, he kind of grew up in Taiwan and then moved to the U S and when he was 13. So he it's, it's, we're a good team. He kind of has, uh, and he has a mechanical engineering degree too. So, um, I can kind of say all my stupid bike idea stuff, you know, like, Hey, what if we do this, you know, and then right. he be like, he can kind of translate it into stuff that makes better sense for the engineer. So, uh, we're right. a pretty formidable duo. Yeah. They're like, I'll, I'll translate for the, the mood board guy. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I should have never said that. I don't you know. Um, I love it. I love it. It's yeah. awesome. <laughs> um, cool. Well, I think I'm going to uh, take it home here. So uh, thanks again, Gus. I think this was super informative. It was great to, to learn more about the brand. I know, you know, I've been using your, your aftermarket parts to hack all sorts of things uh, over the years. Really stoked on, on the new groups that hope other people uh, will try it try it out as well and um thanks again to our patreon supporters that make this content possible and if you guys like this video don't forget to like share subscribe all that good stuff uh helps the channel grow and we've got tons of uh more live streams coming to you soon so until next time keep the supple side down